Yeah, I think it's important that instructional coaches have a belief in teachers. So, you know, a belief I hold is that everybody shows up every day doing the best possible job they know how to do. I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says, like, let's go and see how badly I can screw this up today. And so if a coach can go in with that same mindset, then they're more likely to be able to help that teacher. I'm Jim Knight, co-founder of the Instructional Coaching Group, and you're listening to Coaching Conversations, where I talk with coaching experts from around the world so that all of us can learn better ways to make an unmistakably positive impact on the people around us. The Teaching Learning Coaching Conference is the world's leading conference for instructional coaching and instructional practice. Hosted by Jim Knight and the Instructional Coaching Group, this is the biggest event for instructional coaches and the teams they work with. Register now to attend in person in Orlando, Florida, or virtually from your home or office. To learn more, visit tlc-conference.com. Michelle Liss is one of the world's leading experts on creating an instructional coaching program. She might be a little humble about that, but the truth is, I know very few people who can tell you more about how to create a great program. And she just finished recording a new course called Designing, Launching, and Supporting a Great Instructional Coaching Program. And I'm excited, Michelle, to ask you a few questions and get you on our podcast. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Jim. Uh, My first question is, how did you get into coaching? Yeah, so I started my career as an elementary school teacher about 24 years ago, Mm -hmm. and I was working in the district, and they started an instructional coaching program. The job advertisement came out, and I thought I would throw my name in the hat for it, not really knowing a whole lot about it. And I was lucky enough to be hired as an instructional coach, one of the first in the division. I spent seven years being an instructional coach, five years at one elementary school before I moved to a second one for two years. And even though I left the position after seven years, I would say I've been practicing instructional coaching all this time. And seven years ago now, I was fortunate enough to be hired to lead an instructional coaching program. And so my instructional coaching study continues. So was the posting for an instructional coach, is that what the job was in 24 years ago? My goodness. 2005. 2005. Holy cow. I think my first article came out like 2003, 2004. So that's... Pretty quick, right on the uh, uh, on the history of that article coming out. How would you describe what coaching looks like when you do coaching? So I'd say coaching looks like two colleagues side by side having a conversation, talking about best practices, creating a goal that they want to work on together, and the coach helps the teacher hit the goal that they're working towards. I love that. I love that definition, in part because it sounds exactly the way we would do it, but I think it's a great (laughs) definition. In your work, either coaching coaches or as an instructional coach, what is a challenge or paradox you see in coaching popping up pretty frequently? Yeah, I think there are two that really rise to the top for me. So one is that I think there are multiple definitions of what a coach is. And so some people might think that a coach is somebody who comes in and gives you evaluative feedback and tells you a strategy to try, and then the teacher tries it. And in my mind, that's consulting. And so a challenge is when people refer to themselves as coaches, getting really clear on what it means to coach a teacher, being non-evaluative, being a partner, giving the teacher choice, all of those things are really important. Yeah, the 
the word is sure used ubiquitously. And there's like coaches for like, there's dating coaches, there's co- whatever you want to coach mm-hmm. for, you've got to coach for it now. So, you know, um, and then within that category, people have all kinds of visions of coaches. So it could be like an athletic coach. It could be a speech coach, who knows what it might be. So, so I think you're right. I think that lack of clarity around the doubt. And even when you look at research on coaching, I'd like to know what kind of coaching it is they're talking about. It's such a generic term that understanding what we mean by that is really important and it's important inside the system too. What's a success story you could tell us about coaching, coaching as you define it? So my favorite story to tell about coaching is when I first started learning about the impact cycle, I tried it out in real life with my daughter. So she was getting ready to go to high school. She wanted to try out for the dance team. She is not a trained dancer. So this was a pretty lofty goal for her. And we went to this information night. The coach said, here are all these dance moves you need to learn. And we knew none of them. And so pretty quickly, she felt defeated. She went to bed that night. She was in tears. The next morning, I said, all right, so you've had some time to think about it. What do you want to do? She said, I still want to try out. I said, great. So let's start working towards some of these dance moves. And, you know, similar to the impact cycle, you want that goal to be short-term, not too long-term, want to see immediate impact and success. So I started video recording her, trying out some of these dance moves. And the first one we looked at was her doing a split. Well, in real life, she thought she was nailing it. When she saw herself on the video, she realized she wasn't even close. And so we tried out some strategies. She decided she was going to stretch every day. Um, She was going to watch some videos of people doing a split. And I kept recording her over time until she was able to hit that goal. And then once she did, we moved on to the next skill she needed to learn. And ultimately, she made the dance team um, with a lot of hard work and perseverance. And so I remember emailing you and saying, like, gosh, if this can have an impact on my daughter getting on the dance team, imagine what this can do for kids in classrooms. And so video was pretty crucial in that whole process? And it continues to be. Now she won't do a performance or try a new skill without me video recording her. She goes back and watches it, and she'll already say, I know, Mom, on a scale of 1 to 10, that was like a 7. The impact cycle is central to your family. Well, video is big in my family, too, because Jenny will say, why don't we video record this conversation? You're a lot nicer when we video record a conversation. So if you have a thorny conversation, video comes comes up. What's a lesson you think all coaches need to learn? Yeah, so there are several that I can think of. So I think the first lesson is to really be a good listener. Adam Grant talks about how the best leaders are the ones, not the ones who talk the most, but the ones who do most of the listening. And so if coaches can really listen to teachers, hear some of the things that they might be challenged with, and then help them move towards those goals, that's a key lesson. The second one would be learn how to ask really good questions. There are questions out there that can put people on the defense and that'll shut the conversation down right away. So if a coach can ask good questions, along with the good listening, they can help teachers get closer to their goals. The third one I would say is to stay humble, that coaches are often hired into their positions because they were really successful teachers, they've got great people skills, and 
you know, sometimes that can be challenging to stay humble because you have a lot of expertise and you want to share it with the teachers that you work with. But it's impossible for a coach to have all the answers. And so leaning into the teacher and their expertise is just as important. And what are three practical questions, moves, ideas you'd like to share about coaching? Things people can use to up their game a little bit as a coach. Yeah. So I have a couple go-to questions that are always kind of in my back pocket. So the first one comes from Michael Bungay-Stanier, what's on your mind? That's how I usually open up coaching conversations. Either that or what would you like to talk about today? Just to give control to the other person to set the tone for the conversation. The second one is what's some advice you would give to somebody else who had this same challenge? So flip the perspective that if they were the advice giver, what would they say? Uh, And a third, while it's not directly coaching related, it's one I use often. So people will often ask me for advice on whether they should apply for a new job or go for a new opportunity. And so my favorite question to ask in that situation is, if this position didn't open for another five years, would you regret not having put your name in the hat for it? And then if the answer is yes, then chances are you should throw your name in and see what happens. So, Michelle, one of the things we're trying to do at the Instructional Coaching Group is to give people inexpensive access to really powerful ideas. And we created this thing called Radical Learners. We're offering a lot of courses. Yours is the first course that doesn't have me talking, so I was really excited to watch it be recorded. And uh, you had so many great things to say about how to set up a successful coaching program. I'm so grateful for what you had to say. Could you share just sort of a few highlights of what we talked about over the last few days as we recorded your course? Yeah, so the course really goes in depth about, you know, what is instructional coaching? How does it differ for some other from some other roles? Um, what to consider when you're setting up a program. So thinking about your application materials, what qualities and characteristics are you looking for in an instructional coach? What might your job description say? Some of those interview questions that you could ask, looking at your evaluation process. And so people who take this course will walk away with some tips and strategies and resources to not just think about those beginning pieces of the course, but then also what professional development and sustainability needs to be in place. Yeah, I think what we found is when we've talked to districts, they're not really sure what it entails and how to uh, organize and, well, our phrases are launch support and design an effective uh, coaching program. But uh, how did you come to figure out all these things about how to create a great program? How did how did the whole thing evolve? <laughs> So when I um, stepped into the program, it was already well underway, and I think it's been through a lot of trial and error. So I don't think anything's perfect yet, and I keep working to revise and, and refine all of the things like the application process, the evaluation. Some of those pieces are newer. And, you know, I do a lot of reading and collaborating with other instructional coach leaders throughout the country to learn from other districts as well. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I think it's important that instructional coaches have a belief in teachers. So, you know, a belief I hold is that everybody shows up every day doing the best possible job they know how to do. I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says, like, let's go and see how badly I can screw this up today. 
And so if a coach can go in with that same mindset, then they're more likely to be able to help that teacher. I couldn't agree with that more. I think if you don't believe in teachers, then probably coaching isn't the right job for you. So I'm with you all the way. Michelle, thank you so much. I love what you had to say. Love these ideas. And I'm really excited to see the course come out. It's going to be a fantastic course. Thank you.